Hello, Tim. Welcome Hello, back Jess. to Podcast Extra on the Exposure Ninja High Performance Digital Marketing Podcast YouTube channel. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's good to have you back. Dale and I, we did it, but we missed you. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I'm sure Dale did a fantastic job indeed. My, my sister did text moderator. me to say, oh, were you? Yeah. How exciting. Uh, I did listen to the podcast and I thought it sounded good. I thought it was, I thought it was a good topic. We had lots to talk about. And today we have a heck of a lot of news to talk about. It feels like there's lots of really interesting things going on in sort of just the online world at the moment that might not necessarily feel like they impact marketers, but I think they really, really will. Um, starting off with this one definitely impacts marketers. YouTube has and Google have been in a bit of an ad scandal, I would say. For those of you who don't know, there's a certain type of YouTube ad called TrueView. Now, if you've ever used YouTube, you'll see these adverts that come up. They stay on the screen for like five seconds. And then in the corner, a little box appears that says skip ad. Now, one of the draws of these adverts for advertisers is that you only get charged if somebody's watched it for more than 30 seconds. So if they've chosen not to skip and they've watched it for more than 30 seconds, that kind of counts as an impression. And that's when you get charged. But this is definitely a different story if you are on part of the Google Display Network, which shows these same ads who are running these ads on the website somewhere right in the bottom corner where the user doesn't see it. And they're playing said ad on a loop and charging you for each 30 second loop of this ad. So I'm not really sure how this happened or how they've gotten away with it for so long. Um, but I'd love to know your thoughts on this, Tim. Just before we started this podcast, you said this is this is just wild. So I'd love to know um, what your thoughts are on this. Well, uh, I think that the most amazing thing to me is the scale of the fraud that is being alleged here. And that's what it is. It's fraud. It's, it's advertisers paying for video impressions that they effectively weren't getting. So Google has very specific definitions of what a true view, view looks like and this company, so there's a, an ad, ad analytics company called Adalytics who has done this study into TrueView and they have, they're, they're claiming that in some cases, uh, 73% of all the sort of billable TrueView ads are not legit. They're either playing, like you said, at the bottom of the page, they're on mute, they're just auto-playing. Some of them are stacked on top of each other. Some of them are hidden by other ads. You've got multiple ads playing at the same time, both on mute, with advertisers being charged for all of this. So the scale is absolutely wild, and there's talk about YouTube having to refund what could amount to billions of dollars in in ad spend if if that 73% number uh, carries across all of the TrueView ads that have ever been bought. So it's really stunning that it is, this it is. level and of fraud could exist. Yeah, when you see kind of the the people that have been affected, it's businesses like American Express, Kayak, Disney Plus. Like it's not like it's like small, just random people. It's really, really big names. Um, and so I think you know these people have big, big legal teams, and they're going to be going straight after Google for this. Um, I think what's interesting as well is it specifies in the true view kind of terms and conditions that it's audible and visible. Like it's really funny that they kind of 
specified these two things almost I, it almost feels like they were trying to throw people off the scent right and just being like well of course it'll never be shown muted in the corner of a screen where people can't see it um so yeah it's just absolutely astounding absolutely astounding the, completely. The, for me though there is a I know that YouTube and Google, they have done something naughty here, clearly. And the platform must be made to pay and, you know, refunds are probably going to happen. But for me, the real mugs here are the advertisers and brands. And I think that they have to take some sort of responsibility for this. If 73% of your ads are being shown but people aren't actually watching them or they're not even hearing them and you don't notice, why are you pouring billions of dollars into that platform? And I know that this is, you know, brand advertising and we're looking for sort of ambient uplift in brand visibility or, you know, whatever. But that is ludicrous to me that this ecosystem could exist where 73% or up to 73% of the inventory could be fake. And the brand hasn't noticed, the media buying agency hasn't noticed, the creative agency has noticed, no one in that group has noticed. And I think to me, it shows the, the disconnect that can be caused if people's incentives aren't aligned, right? The media agency, they're incentivized to maximize budget because they're taking a percentage of all the budget. So to be fair, they don't care whether or not these ads are being seen or heard or anything. No one's tracking, are they? No one's saying, oh, is it, you know, are we advertising something and we're checking to see what the impact of that's going to be on sales? That's not being done. The creative agency, they're not producing the sort of ads that are going to lead to direct responses. They're just producing sort of brand awareness ads. It's just basically a, a nice piece of cinema that someone has objectively or uh, subjectively decided looks good and represented their brand. And then the, the people in the advertising, uh, you know, the people in the brand themselves are working client side. Maybe they're incentivized to get more budget for their advertising next year or, or whatever. So, you know, Exposure Ninja, we are heavily direct response. We're heavily ROI driven. And I think it's exactly this type of thing, which is the reason why, because there is so much fluff. And if you're not tracking business outcomes from your marketing campaigns, worst case scenario is exactly this. You get however many years down the line, billions of dollars of ad spend, and it turns out 73% of it didn't even exist in the first place. And you didn't realize that for me, Jess, is the worst thing about all of this. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's very easy um, to get caught up in kind of, oh, well, look how many impressions you've had. That's good, right? Even if you're not getting sales from it right now, that's people who are thinking about your brand. Um, and of course, yeah, if your goal is to raise awareness, then sure. But at the same time, yeah, how how did they miss this? How were they not seeing, oh, we're spending this much, but for some reason we haven't had like any increase in sales or anything? Like that must have been what was happening. And I don't know if Adalytics, the business that did this study, if they had been tipped off by some brands or if they were just like, huh, this is interesting. Let's just research it. Because in all the articles I've read, you haven't got any statements from any of these big brands, maybe for the reasons that you've just outlined, Tim in that they're embarrassed and they don't want to admit, yeah, we weren't paying attention to our ads 
it yeah I didn't even think of it that way but you absolutely are right on the money there Tim right on the money there that is yeah well, I'll tell you, who else is right on the money analytics because this is the thing that they're offering tries to solve right or, or, or at least partially solve and it has to be said this is a fantastic piece of of PR outreach they've done a oh, blinding yeah. job of this so they've got this really really long I don't know how long the post is but it's I don't know it's one of the longest published sort of reports I've seen super well researched loads of examples this thing has taken them a lot of time and what a way to get on the radars of people who are all of a sudden in serious pain about this situation which analytics wants to try and solve so fantastic piece of outreach i don't know how many links this thing has picked up but it's in all the national media and their report on their website is where they share all of the data so the links are going to be stunning high authority good quality high in pain audience i mean it's beautiful if there was an agency involved <laughs> reach out we'll buy you whatever <laughs> this, is this is really good yeah um, it's, it's, so yeah masterclass yeah really really great piece piece of work moving on to our next piece of news it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about twitter um and just social media in general tim and i had a chat earlier on today where we were talking about how there's a lot of unrest in the social media space and tim even said something about how it feels like the end of social media as we know it maybe you weren't quite that dramatic but that's kind of the vibe the vibe you gave off Tim it just feels like there's a lot of unrest and the most recent thing that's happened that's kind of made people unhappy with a website is that Twitter has limited free users well it started off at limiting them to seeing only 600 tweets per day which sounds like a lot but it includes all the tweets that you kind of just scroll past that you don't really care about and I mean, it was seriously trending. Rate limit reached, which is the notification that people were getting, was trending. So many people were saying they couldn't believe that they'd already hit their limit for the day. Um, and interestingly enough, if you were a paid user, you would get 6,000 tweets that you could look at per day. Um, so a lot of people then felt like this was a ploy by Twitter to make some money and get people signing up to Twitter Blue even though they were saying it's a temporary measure, we're just doing it to, you know, stop scraping happening and stop AI bots getting information from Twitter. Um, they have since increased. I think it's now 1K for free users and 10K for paid users. But it was just a really strange move that's made even more people hate Twitter and has very likely significantly impacted any businesses that rely heavily on Twitter for traffic. If they're not in those tweets that people are seeing, they're not going to be getting the visibility that they would normally get if people are scrolling Twitter all day, which it seems like they do. Um, it just seems like a really another weird move by Twitter. And and that's it, right? It's the uncertainty. It's that if, if I'm a creator or if I'm a brand and I want to build my audience and it's always a risk, isn't it? Choosing which platform to make your primary platform is a risk because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to attach yourself to a horse that's going to be jumping off a waterfall any day. And, and that's, I guess, the feeling that people might get if they've built their visibility on Twitter for so long. And then they're seeing all of these different things happening at different times. There was a you know, the SEOs have been really interested in Twitter limiting 
uh, visibility for people that aren't logged in, for example, because that includes Google's crawlers. So there's some, uh, I think I saw Cyrus Shepard say, you know, 37% of Twitter's organic traffic had, had dropped off almost over the weekend. And it's that's going to further restrict people's reach who are posting on Twitter. And it's that constant concern that you never know if the thing is about to implode. It's a bit like, you know, it's a, Donald Trump, the reason Donald Trump is so entertaining is because of the uncertainty, but that uncertainty is fun from the outside to watch, but it's horrific if you're like in there. And if you're, mm-hmm. if you're tied to that, then, you know, terrifying. So I'm, yeah, I'd, I'd be worried if I was a brand or a creator that had built my profile on Twitter. And for sure, it seems that the logical thing to be doing is to make sure you're diversifying and that you've taken your audience off platform in case the next one of these updates proves fatal. This is exactly it. It's it definitely feels like um, this is there's this kind of discussion, right? Um, I've heard Dale say before. You know, if you have an account on social media, you're kind of living on rented land, right? And the landowner, Twitter or Twitch or Reddit, can choose to do with that what they wish. But I feel like they're forgetting that their product or or their their customers are the people that they're pushing away. Like you wouldn't see Amazon making it more difficult for people to buy products. You know, you wouldn't, it, it just seems like a very, very strange move. Um, interestingly enough, Meta's Twitter competitor leaked on the Google Play Store a few days ago. It's called Threads and they've confirmed that it's going to be launching on the 6th of July. And considering all the unrest on like Twitter and Reddit, I think people are going to be like, I'm sick of this and be looking for somewhere new that also just so happens to be really easy to sign up for. Like at the moment on Instagram, if you type Threads into the search bar, there's a little ticket, you can click it and it kind of comes up gets you to download the app if you want to like kind of pre-install it which I've actually done so I'm actually really excited for this app I'm not haven't really been that intrigued by Mastodon or for instance Blue Sky that actually had to limit signups over the weekend because so many people were moving over from Twitter but I think it seems like it is the perfect time for them to be dropping this I don't know if they've sped it up because of what's happening but regardless I think it's I think it's a good a good move yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, Facebook has a bit of a history of copying other networks' functionality and people thinking, well, this is too blatant. Surely this isn't going to work. Yeah. But whether it's, you know, Instagram reels or stories or whatever, like a few of these things really have stuck and they really have dented whatever they were copying, whether it's, you know, Snapchat or or um, with reels actually keeping people on 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 uh, on Instagram and, and getting some good visibility, so I don't think you can write Meta off. Um, and obviously, it'll be able to port the audience over from Instagram, which is one of the struggles that you know Mastodon has had as a competitor to Twitter is that you got to sort of start from scratch. Whereas potentially, if Instagram is porting over its users to Threads, Threads, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yep. Then, you know. It, it's already got the world's biggest creators and potentially already got those audiences already sorted. So you don't need, you don't have that horrible blank screen when you log into something and you have to go and find all the people that you follow. So that really could give it an edge. I think it's a super interesting time. I think you said earlier, they probably got a bit of spare server space kicking around from all the metaverse projects that maybe haven't taken off. So 
let's just redeploy that yeah yeah <laughs> i think it it's yeah i think it's really exciting you know i definitely even before all this happened i definitely started to fall out of love with twitter actually it was pretty much from when elon brought it i just felt a very big shift on that platform and uh, every time i was visiting it i was just having really unpleasant experiences so i'm kind of hoping that I'm not saying I always have a pleasant experience on Instagram, but I'm kind of hoping it attracts a different type of person. Um, and maybe all the nasty people can stay over on Twitter and just you know, well, stay there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think from an advertiser's perspective, great, right? Because t- the Twitter ad product is horrible, but it would be great to be able to advertise sort of in public conversations that are happening. And that's something that you don't really like. Twitter is its own unique thing. Mm-hmm. it's where the news breaks it's where you get you know the latest from people that you don't follow but that in a logical way you get some great conversations happening you can very easily connect with you know high profile people and i think a load of that is really exciting for advertisers and as marketers we would love to tap into those conversations and, and get into those conversations and if you know with Meta's ad product, which is so good, not perfect, but it's so good compared to Twitter's, having threads as another channel that we can advertise in through that, I think is really exciting. So yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into that. But it does feel like a change in what's happening in the world. And I think there's loads of things which are converging, right? You've got high interest rates, meaning that capital isn't so easy to come by so investors are looking for real returns in their investments and that's really challenging for a lot of social networks because social running a social network is not an inherently profitable thing to do it's actually quite difficult to monetize connections you have to have an ad play it seems to be in there uh, to be profitable and 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 that's difficult to do and twitter has clearly found it difficult which is why they're having all of these other issues going on and the same with reddit you know these companies are where previously having open access to all of the content on your on your social network has been a good thing because then you get more visibility. Now they're looking at large language models crawling all of this data and saying, actually, we don't want to be open. We want to monetize that. So now we're going to this close up. This is going to be a walled garden. And that means that discovery is more difficult. And that means that you don't have as much sort of outsider engagement. So it does feel like a time where social networks are having to look at a different business model or adjusting their business model and that is going to mean that some of the features that us as users have come to expect for free um we're maybe not going to see and advertising is going to continue being here as marketers of course fantastic um give us all the data we love meta's ability to suck data out of individual users uh and it looks like they're only going to get more to play with so yeah, as a marketer, I'm happy. As a user, obviously, this does feel there is a bit of a sense of loss. And I think that's quite common amongst people. Yeah, just to back up what you said there about um, social media is not being profitable. I found out recently Twitch, the biggest streaming site in the whole world, has never been profitable, not once. Even under Amazon's ownership, it has never been profitable. And considering they don't, you know, they give their creators like a 50-50 split, which is not good for creators. You know, they run loads of adverts. They've still not been profitable. And it's just, yeah, I think people don't necessarily realize how much money goes into this. We've had a comment on the um, on the live stream over on YouTube, which if you want to watch this podcast live, you can do on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. on our um, Exposure Ninja High Performance Digital Marketing Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, we've had a comment from Ron Henry saying email list building still reigns supreme 
and SMS has promised too. And I think you're probably onto something there, Ron. We've been saying for a while that email is is kind of an unsung hero. You know, people are like nobody reads emails, nobody reads emails, but it's still normally the number one app people check during the day. And yeah. I think there is there is a lot of promise for that. So yeah, if you're if you're kind of a very social media heavy business, it might be wise to start thinking of ways that you can you can get more emails, whether that's by hosting giveaways, doing incentives, like for discounts and stuff, or just offering a really, really great newsletter. Um, we're starting to get a little bit limited on time, but Tim, I think you have some news about Bing, ChatGPT, and how they're kind of how things are kind of going in that space. Things are yes. down in the AI world, it seems, but yeah, that's true. It's true. But I think now these tools have been out, we're starting to get a bit of insight. This isn't necessarily yes. new news, just to caveat mm -hmm. this. Um, but it, we haven't done a podcast since this came out. So um, Bing plus chat GPT makes Bing chat the sort of AI uh, experience inside Bing. And as marketers, we've been really interested to see how these new AI integrated search engines change user behavior particularly from an SEO or a search ad perspective, there are some massive implications if user behavior is very different. So, you know, as soon as we saw Google's version of AI search results, of course, everyone's concerned, are we going to be getting any traffic if all the answers are given inside the search results? So any snippets of insight that we get from either Microsoft or Google, we are really interested to see how user behavior is actually changing with AI search results. So, um, in SMX, which is a search-based uh, conference, I guess, um, Mike Schechter, who is VP of Bing at Microsoft, gave a bit of a three-month school report on what we were seeing with Bing usage. There was also a segment from the equivalent in Google, uh, but she gave almost no information at all, classic Google very little insight about what was happening uh, whatsoever. So we can only look at what's coming out of Bing and say, okay, if, if we can sort of extrapolate this across Google, then this gives us some sort of indication about where SEO and PPC are going and the viability of those as future channels. So I think as a marketer, good news. So some of the main takeaways from this, firstly, um, are people actually using it is the first sort of question that we would, we would have. Um, Mike, said that there have been half a billion chats with Bing Chat since launch, which sounds like a big number, right? Half a billion, 500 million chats. Wow, that sounds like a huge number. What we've got to remember though, is Bing has 900 million searches per day. So we're talking about half a billion chats since launch. I don't know if they were talking about the sort of preview launch, which happened in February, or the sort of more public launch, which I think happened in May, which would give us a little over a month of, of user data. But either way, that doesn't, actually that half a billion number doesn't seem that large to me. That sort of implies if we just take May, June data, and we say, all right, 900 million searches total per day, that gives about one in 56 searches resulting in a Bing chat conversation which isn't that high. And that's really the top end number. If, if that number is from the start of February, then obviously that's, that's super low. Um, so that's the first thing. It's not universally used so far, which is kind of interesting. And I don't think necessarily entirely surprising. The 
I guess the bigger question is what's happening to the traffic? So are people searching and just staying in the search results or are they clicking through to what on Bing is citations? So clicking through when you see, say, like, what's the best shoes for a 37-year-old who doesn't play football but likes to play football sometimes? That You see an answer and then you see like a little number which you can click on and go through to the website, which... um, which contains that information works slightly differently on Google, but are people clicking on this? Cause there was a lot of questions about whether this would actually happen. It does seem that they are. So Mike said that more engagement and usage is producing more clicks overall from Bing. So this isn't the, the fact that there are generative AI search results in the search in the search isn't cannibalizing all of the search traffic. There are more clicks to websites in total, both organic and paid as a result. The other thing that I think is really encouraging from a marketer's perspective is that Bing is testing making those citations sponsored. So you can run ads to have your website being the sponsored sort of citation in those answers. And that's gonna be pay-per-click based. So they need clicks to go through to those citations in order to monetize them. So the fact that they're even considering that tells me that, all right, these are getting at least a reasonable volume of clicks. So that's super encouraging because it means that we are hopefully going to be getting some traffic from these generative AI search results. Um, yeah, I, I can keep going. Jess, any sort of takeaways or, uh, or thoughts based on this so far? Yeah, I, I think it's important to remember as well I'm not trying to downplay the success, I suppose. I suppose it's not necessarily a success, but there are a lot of people who are using these tools just to see. They just want to see what this is all about. How far can we push it? What can we ask it? What will it answer? And I think it's really important to consider that in these results as well, because a lot of these people aren't going to be like your everyday average Bing user um, or your everyday average searcher. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how it, how it evolves, mm. how things play out when things are sponsored. Like, will it take information from that website? What happens if that information is misleading or incorrect? And then it's been put in this generative answer. And I'm very fascinated to see how they're gonna how they're gonna play that because if the AI cites a website as well that's kind of targeting a keyword it shouldn't necessarily be targeting. And then they're saying, hey, you can buy an air fryer from this website and you click through and there's no air fryers there. It's Or if they're recommending the worst brand you've ever seen, because, it, mm. you know, I think it's it's just really. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like people will treat those ads differently to the way they treat ads in a search result. Because it yeah. feels like somebody's recommending it to you, which can be a pro but I feel like it could also be a con as well for the consumer. So yeah, it's it's really one of those where we're going to have to see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, that might sound like a cop-out. We're going to have to see how it plays out. But I think that this, that's never been more true than with this because it not only feels early, it feels so early. Like, how, like you say, as an, as an advertiser, as a marketer, how do I manage which AI generated answers my citation appears next to. Can I even manage it? Because if I can't, I've got questions about brand safety. If I can, how do I deal with the fact that this isn't like a keyword focused thing anymore? It's probably on a topic level, but there's going to be 
other aspects of that? Like, how do I add ne- negative keywords? There's just so many questions from yeah. a marketer and advertiser's perspective that I think it's one of those where execution really is everything. The concept is solid. No one denies that the concept of generative search in search results is, sorry, generative AI in search results is a really interesting thing and has loads of potential. But there are so many questions over the execution that I think it's, um, it's almost like until we see how it is executed, we don't know whether as a marketer we like it or not. Um, Another thing that I thought was quite interesting coming out of this is a big question that we've had as marketers is how is people's search behavior going to change, particularly around the queries that they're looking for? Because we uh we translate our thoughts for search engines so if we are looking you know i'm looking for my my trainers that i'm going to wear out but sometimes i want to play football and i'm not asking that question i'm not typing in all of my info into search i'm actually typing in you know a version of that probably a three or four word phrase which i think best summarizes that that query whereas Mike Schechter from Bing is saying that actually the average search query is three times as long when using chat. So people are giving more information. They are giving more context to their, their question. And what was kind of interesting um, from, from Bing's feedback so far is that this more tailored and segmented search results were better serving people's queries because they were giving more context in the search because they could go sort of more niche with the results they were hoping to get. This was leading to people converting better, so shortened user journey, because they were able to get, you know, exactly what they wanted from the search results, so potentially a faster path to conversion, which from that we can assume that we're going to get a lower search volume in total, because rather than searching for 10 things in order to find my products, I might be able to get there from two or three. So it makes those clicks more valuable along, along the way. But it also means I might get less traffic. Uh, I might expect to get less traffic, but with a higher conversion rate. So that'll be interesting to see if that if that plays out, because I think that user behavior piece was a big question. I'm, I didn't really know whether people were going to change their search behavior or they're just going to carry on typing the same things they've always typed in. Um, yeah. but it does look like they are going to change completely yeah I, I very much agree with that and just from personal experience even when I'm not using a chatbot I feel like I'm asking Google longer questions just mm. because I'm like well I almost know what the other side looks like I know the answer I could get from chat GPT so I'm kind of wanting that I'm like well if chat GPT can understand that why can't Google understand that you know and sometimes I just don't yeah. have words I can't do that translation I can't translate it down to the to the way that you know you're suggesting so I think yeah very very interesting it's going to be now that it feels like all the like hype has died down and the real work can begin that's kind of how it feels so it's like even though don't panic if you've been really into AI and you're like oh I put a lot of time into this because I think this is where the real the real progress will start it's like there's a big rush and everybody's trying to do stuff whereas now it's kind of refined down. We've distilled it down to what's most important. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens kind of in the next, in Q3 and Q4. Should be exciting to see. I think that's all we've got time for today, Tim. If you are listening to this podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe, share it with your marketing pals. We get loads of good feedback. Loads of people really, really love this podcast. So why not share that love with everyone else? We also record this live over on our YouTube channel, which is Exposure Ninja Podcast. Um, And we also out a video once a week or sometimes twice a week if we're feeling particularly fancy on our main youtube channel exposure ninja which also people really love um so if you want more of tim 
that's where you go. That's the yeah, that's about it. If you want more marketing, then. <laughs> I don't know why I said if you want more of Tim. I had a joke there, but it didn't. It, I forgot it. Or, or, or just come around and we can hang out all day. Yeah, there yeah, we yeah. go. Sorted. Great. Yeah. And I also, everyone thing, tomorrow then. Last thing is if you're unsure how your marketing and website is performing and you'd like to get some insights from a professional team of marketers, you can request a review at exposureninja.com slash review. Send your 15 minute video of a bunch of insights and stuff that you can action right away. It's done by people, not by robots, not by AI. And it's absolutely fantastic. Cool. I think that's us done. Great. Thanks everyone. See you next week. See you next week.